morning, church. Good morning. One of the most alarming um, facts that I saw on there was how many people are still going to MySpace every month. It's like, <laughs> blows my mind. Now, one of the things that whenever you hear like, uh, like social media get thrown into a conversation um, with people, you're going to hear like the evils of it or this, that, or the other thing. But it's, it's one of those issues. It's not a hypothetical. It's a reality. And it's something that blankets um, our, our, no matter what age you are, it blankets our reality. Um, different aspects of it for sure. How many of you here, just by a show of hands, and this is a safe place. You can be honest here. How many of you have a Facebook page? All right. So look around. That's the majority of us. Okay. How many of you are on Twitter? Okay. All right. A little less, but how many of you uh, have ever read an online blog? Okay. Anyone have Snapchat? Vine? Okay. Right on. Okay. All right. Um, how many of you have ever sent an email? Okay. Pretty amazing technology, by the way. I remember back when I was first going to college. I think that's around when, when that was actually start getting, you know, hot with AOL, uh, was it AOL? AOL, yeah. And, uh, and just, just the reality that you could actually write a letter and not have to mail it and wait two, three days, whatever, for it to get to the person you're writing to, but it could go instantly there. How many of you um, text message? Okay, how many of you, uh, before uh, actually getting into text messaging, thought it was the dumbest idea ever? I'll never do it. I'm never going to text. It's just so... I remember I'm a, I was such a late adopter with the whole texting thing. I remember seeing people in their in, in high schoolers and early 20s, you know, this is before smartphones when they're like doing this, you know, like on a, an inch and a half, like dumb phone that has, uh, that they have to like click every, every, you know, thing three times just to get the right letter. Remember that? And I remember watching people do this and just going, this, <laughs> this is such a dumb fad. It will never actually, you know, catch on. And then I did it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this is kind of convenient. And now this is like the primary, like if, if I am in one part of my house, there have been moments, and I'm, I, I have to confess this, where I've actually texted one of my kids in the basement to find out, you know, if he could do something for me. That's sick. But that's, what, that's, that's part of what's happening. And so the reality of social media or the ability to connect so freely and so openly and so quickly is not a hypothetical, okay? We're not talking like, like the, the, the conversation about books pre-Gutenberg was a great hypothetical. But after the Gutenberg press and the ability to actually have information written down that you could own, trade, pass on in book form, in written form, not just orally communicating, that was a huge reality and it impacted the entire world, not to mention Christianity, not to mention how the gospel is communicated, not to mention the scope of that. And now we're in a different era. We're in the 21st century where this is this new concept, this new reality that really isn't all that new. Um, some people point back to Martin Luther as being where social media kind of got kicked off. Um, the, the Economist, which is not a Christian publication, said that social media started with the posting of the 95 theses on the Wittenberg door um, that, that Martin Luther did back in the 1500s. And what he did was he posted these 95 objections that he had with the church. Didn't want to break the church. He wanted to reform it. But he said, we need to talk about these. And it wasn't just like 95, boom, drop the mic, walk away. I just said everything needs to be said. He put 95 introductions to a deeper conversation, a deeper debate. Let's talk about these things. And that was taken down. It was written in Latin. It was taken down. And within a week, it was translated into German and sent throughout Germany. Within a month, it was throughout Europe. 
Luther went viral. And the reality is, is that that type of methodology, just capitalizing on what type of technology is, is at play, became something that, that the word can get out all the more. It's amazing. Now, what we're going to talk about today is that, but if you're thinking that it's, it's tough to find um, a passage in the Bible that has to do with social media, you're wrong because they're all over the place. Um, because again, it's talking about us recognizing the tools at our disposal and using those for God's glory. So if you could open up to Colossians chapter four in your Bibles or on your phones, and we're gonna be in verses two through six of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And we, we actually just recently got done with a study in Colossians. So we're not gonna give too much introduction here, but this is Paul talking and he's talking to a church. And this is, this is kind of like the final instructions. He's asking for prayer, and he's asking for a direct prayer for um, them to pray for him that the gospel would be able to be proclaimed. So let's take a look, starting in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and waitful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If we're going to be engaging social media the way Jesus did, we need to look at the way that some of his followers actually pulled that off. And so we're going to be looking primarily at Paul and Peter and some of the examples that they had. Um, and talking about if we're going to do this, we have to understand there's a couple of things that really matter if we're going to engage social media absolutely matter and the first of those things that matters is the recognition of the platform we have your platform matters take again look at verse uh look at verse five specifically be wise in the way you act towards outsiders make the most out of every opportunity take make the most out of every every opportunity that you have you need to steward that you need to recognize that this is an opportunity from the lord and paul fleshed this out he lived this out um there's another part of the bible in the book of acts where it's talking about how the early church explodes and and after paul comes to know jesus one of the cool things that he does is he's just consistently and constantly getting himself in trouble by talking about jesus too much again put in prison or people trying to beat him up it's happening over and over and over again and all of a sudden, in this particular passage in Acts 17, uh, he's sent away to Athens to kind of lay low for a while because he j had just gotten in trouble in the previous town. And so he's in Athens, kind of laying low, and as he's walking around the town, he's recognizing all of the idolatry that's in Athens, and it just breaks his heart. And so what we see is that Paul, initially, what he does is when he's in the, the mar marketplace in the synagogues, he goes and he's able to talk with people. And he's having face-to-face -face conversations with people, a small number of people that are around him. And, and again, this is in the synagogue in the marketplace. What is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about what Jesus has done in his life, the reality that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of, of, the, of the messianic prophecies that the Old Testament was looking towards him. And so he's communicating this in the marketplace. And that he was stewarding. He had a couple people in front of him, and he stewarded that. But all of a sudden, the philosophers and the Epicureans, the people that are around him say, look, this, you're, 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 you're kind of like bartering and trading a new concept. This is something that shouldn't just be talked about here. It needs to actually go up a notch. And so they take Paul from the marketplace to the Areopagus. And, and this is a place right at the base of Mars Hill where the philosophers, it was kind of like the, um, the gatekeepers of the current thought of the time. 
would chew on different philosophies. They would chew on different religions. They would chew on different concepts of God. And so if you were going to talk about something, you want to do it here because this is where people could digest it and say, yeah, that's true, or no, that's not true. All of a sudden, Paul is not just talking to a handful of people in front of him. He's been given a much larger platform. Not only is it a cool platform because there's more people, but the recognition is that this, as, as being in the heart of Athens and the heart of Athens thought, had the potential to go global. Now it's not just Paul talking face to face, but it's talking to a, a stream that could go much wider and much broader than he was before. So what? What does that have to do with us? Well, you and I, every day, have an opportunity to impact face to face people that are in our family, people who we work with, people we go to school with, people that we hang out with. These are people that, that God has blessed us with, that God, I believe, has providentially drawn us into their path to be a representative, and we are to steward that, to make the most of that opportunity, to represent him well in front of the people around, and the work that he's doing in us. Not that we're perfect or we're finished, but that, that the work is happening, that Jesus is doing that. God has given us that in everyday life. The moment that we engage social media, we all of a sudden are stepping out of this marketplace and we're stepping into a larger forum of ideas. And all of a sudden, we have at our disposal the ability to influence and impact a much larger group of people. If you post something on Twitter, if you post something on Facebook, you write a blog, whatever, you now have, if people are listening, if they're gathering around to listen or it comes up on their timeline on Facebook, you have the opportunity to communicate truth or a truth or a reality to them and they're listening. And whenever you gather people together and they listen to what you have to say, you're called something, called a teacher. And even if you don't have authority over them or, or, or even authority that they're ascribing to you, you're communi- making a communication that is projecting out to them. And I believe that that kind of falls into a higher degree of our needing to be intelligent about the way that we do that, recognizing that James says that, that teachers, that people shouldn't like totally be stoked about being teachers because teachers are going to be judged more harshly because they're influencers of a, a group of people that are listening in to their words. So you on social media have also that same platform, that ability to communicate. And what you're communicating go, does have the opportunity to go global. As weird as it sounds, you have, when you post something on Facebook or on Twitter, someone in South Korea could read that. Isn't that amazing? Like instantly. You could post something right now and someone in Nevada could read it. That, that blows our mind. And so you have now been given an amazing platform and with that, some amazing responsibility. Make the most out of every opportunity. I'm not telling you that you need to be on Facebook or Twitter or anything else. That's, that's totally up to you. Some people are convicted against it. That's cool. But if you choose to step into this opportunity, you need to make the most out of it. So when I say that your platform matters, what I'm saying is that you need to realize that everything you post is not just you just I'm just, I had a thought, and I just needed to post it. You actually have a global tack board. I mean, if you think about it, like if you think about it, if I had like a tack board right here, and let's just say this was the hub of all of civilization. Everyone in the world could take a look at this tack board, and I have something I want to say. So I write it out on this piece of paper, or t- get, have a picture, and I tack it onto this tack board, and everyone can see it. That's huge. That's a lot of, that's an amazing opportunity. It also brings with it a whole lot of responsibility. I was talking with someone um, whose uh, son was really upset by the fact that their uh, parent was um, stalking their friends on Facebook and Twitter. 
And this person said that this just isn't fair. I mean, like, why is it that you're, like, stalking my friends? Like, you, you, you totally called out what this guy posted on Twitter, and that wasn't, I mean, that's creepy that you're reading his Twitter feed. And this parent said, no, that's not creepy. Creepy would be if I broke into your friend's house, <laughs> took his private diary where he recorded his private innermost thoughts and read that. That would be creepy and illegal. What your friend did was he went to an international global tack board and posted something on there publicly for everyone to see. I walked right by it and happened to see it. When we step into social media, we are communicating and publicizing reality, at least our reality, to the world around us. And that is as much of a responsibility, but it's an incredible, incredible opportunity. Because when that happens, if you're a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden, the people that you are influencing, if you've got 15 friends on Facebook, you have 15 people that all of a sudden are listening in to how you process anger, how you process disappointment, how you process your relationship with your spouse, how you process your relationship with your kids, how you process your frustration with politics. All of those things, they get a chance to digest the way a Christian does this, which for them may be a completely different story. And they get a chance to watch you, not as someone who's perfect, again, but someone who's processing it differently because you are different, because the Holy Spirit's done work in your heart. Billy Graham put it this way. He said, we, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. The world is watching and listening. If you engage in social media, you've been given an amazing, amazing platform to speak into it, and to influence it, to represent him to it. And so for, because of that, that absolutely means that we need to recognize that our presentation matters. The way we communicate. What's Paul say? Verse 6. He says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That, that, that phrase there, seasoned with salt, is talking about just the reality that when you're talking as a, as a believer, when you're talking to people, make sure that when you're, you're communicating, you're thinking about how you're communicating, that it's actually something that's interesting. It's fact-checked, that you've, that you've done some work on this, that it's not just, bleh, I'm just shooting from the hip here, and just, I, I don't know what I'm going to say, but bleh. But actually, that you, I, this is something that's fascinating and interesting and something that's bringing people in, that it's seasoned with salt, that it's full of grace. One person posted on a blog this, I'm terrified that because of social media, the entire world can see my words. It means I can hurt more than just the people in front of me every time I choose not to live like Jesus. Social media is a dangerous territory, but it's possible to live like Jesus in the midst of its complications. The key is to relinquish the false sense of power that fools us into thinking we can do whatever we want online and instead... Pick up the love and character of Jesus Christ to shape our words. In the end, it's those words that make a difference. So as a Christian, if you're someone who's going to engage social media like Jesus, you do a couple things. All, everything that we're going to post starts off with a thought, a comment, a picture, a blog, a vine, a tweet, something that we want to like post. And, and again, it, it may start with, oh man, I'm really fired up about this. Or hey, I just discovered this. Or this is something I'm really, really excited about. Or this is something that makes me really angry. Or I'm whatever. And, and we think about this thing that we want to post. And what's normal and natural for people is just to go, this is my thought, and then I'm going to post it. 
Christians, however, and that's normal. As a Christian, if Paul's conveying to us that we have a different set of marching orders, that we actually think about how we're going to be projecting ourselves to everyone who's listening, then we have a different set of filters. And I'd say a primary, a primary filter, if you're a Christian, is the effects of God's work inside of you. The effect of the gospel work inside of you showcases itself in the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, um, Paul says this, and a lot of times we see this broken down into a list like love, comma, joy, comma, peace, comma, etc., but I've been interested by, by some scholars' work that says that what Paul is saying, the grammar is setting up that Paul is saying, you want to know the effects of God's work in you? You want to know the, the effect of the Holy Spirit inside of you? It's love. You want to know how love shows up? Love shows up in the way that you're joyful towards others. Love shows up in the way that you have peace in the midst of insecurities and the, and the conditions of life around you. Love shows up in your patience with those around you, your kindness, your goodness, your reliability your generosity, and your self-control. So if we're thinking about this through the lens of, of what we're communicating and posting or sending emails even, whatever, what, we start with what it is that we want to post and then we bring it through a filter. Is the way that I'm saying this or is what am I saying, is it filtered through my, the love that God's doing inside of me towards others that's full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, reliability, generosity, and self-control? And that's not saying that everything that we post must be the sunshiny little Pollyanna-ish, everything's all great even though things stink type of perspective. But the reality that in the midst of the fact that things stink, I have peace. In spite of the fact that, that everything seems to be breaking down and everyone is, is going self-centered, I'm going to try to have self-control and express goodness and reliability and faithfulness towards one another. I have an initial thought, concept, picture, blog, vine, tweet, I filter it through that lens, the thing that God is doing inside of me, and then I actually post something after that filtering process. Does this take extra time? You betcha bippy it does. It actually makes it so that you're, you're putting things out there far slower than you would normally. But I think after we condition ourselves to be recognizing who we are in Christ and what he's doing, that's going to start to impact the way that we communicate. Maybe another way of uh, saying this is uh, to ask ourselves some questions before we actually post something. The first question should be, why am I posting this? Like, what is my motive behind posting this? Is it just that I just need to vent? I just, I'm just going to, like, vomit my anger or frustration online? Is it that I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just, just being honest? Man, that was an am amazing hamburger that I had today. What is it? Why am I posting this? This may not impact every one of our posts that we, we put out there, but it's going to impact some. Let me give you one very recent example. Uh, yesterday was my anniversary. Julie and I have been married for 17 years. Whoop, whoop. Very good. It is a testament to her patience and endurance. Now, that is something that I'm really excited about. So I do what people do on Facebook when they have an anniversary. I post uh, something to my wife, you know, and I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but something to the effect of, I'm just so, you know, what an amazing woman she is and a great friend for the adventure forward, something to that effect. Now, I posted that. Now, I could have said that privately to her, right? And I, I did. I did. But I, I could have just said that privately to her and like, hey, we're just going to keep this between us, okay? This doesn't need to go on Facebook. But I didn't. I posted it on Facebook. And I did that because I wanted people to know those things I said about, about Julie. That's, that's totally true. But as I was posting it, I was also, I mean, yesterday was also when I was finishing up this message. And so I'm going through in my head what I'm saying here. And I started to ask this question, why am I posting this? And I started to get really honest with myself, which is 
never fun. And I started realizing, you know what? There's part of me posting this that I want people to think, Errol's a good husband. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Julie. Errol's doing this because he wants people to think he's a good husband. That's why, and every time someone likes it, Errol's like, affirmation. It is true. Yes, I am a good husband. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't post things that are awesome about our spouses. In fact, if anything, we should do more of that. But we should ask ourselves the question, what are my motives? Am I posting this picture just for, uh, for glory? Am I doing this for attention? Am I doing this to, to, to validate myself in some way? Am I doing this to, to do some harm to someone in a passive-aggressive way that, that I just, I'm just going to do this, I'm just going to say something? Why am I posting this? Follow that up with the, the question, does this draw those I know closer to the work God is doing in me or further away? Does what I'm posting draw people closer to the work God is doing in me or through me or further away? Now, I'm not saying that everything you post is a gospel presentation. No, obviously not. But everything you post, every word you post, should reflect the work of the gospel. Everything that we, should put, we post should reflect the work that God's doing inside of us. And, and I believe that's going to draw people close. If you're just super pumped about a meal that you had and you're posting about it, I think that that lets people know that the, the fullness of this, this reality that God has put me in where I'm able to have flavor and taste, that, that God invented that. That wasn't Satan. That's not just a worldly thing. He invented flavor. And so I am so excited about the flavor that he's brought into my mix. This concert that I was at, amazing. The music was, was so good. Those things, I believe, showcase the life and the fullness of life that God has put us on this planet to experience. And, and that doesn't, that, again, that doesn't mean that, that we're censoring out anything about God. In fact, as, as a follower of Jesus, naturally, there's going to be things about the Lord that's going to come out in your communication. The thing that we need to just keep on interrogating is, does the, what I'm saying draw people closer to the work of God in me or further away? And then, could this be misinterpreted? Could this be misinterpreted? Um, that, that, I was talking to um, someone after the first service, that, that's a pretty broad question. Could this be misinterpreted? Because people are always going to misinterpret you. I, I, I'm, I'm often misinterpreted. Sometimes people get angry at things that I say, and it's totally wrong. Most of the time, they get angry at things I say that are absolutely right. But oftentimes, there, there are oftentimes where I get misinterpreted. If you put something out online, there, it's going to be misinterpreted. But interrogating it, having that extra, that extra level, that extra step of saying, could the way that I'm saying this be misinterpreted? And, and taking the extra steps to understand the best way to speak into that. Um, one of the, uh, last night at Saturday service, there was somebody who, who was here that uh, he, he presented an, another reality. And if, the reality is, is if you talk about God online or, or something God's done in your life, you will automatically be offensive. And for the best reasons. I mean, because, you know, the, the gospel is offensive. The fact that we need Jesus the fact that, that in and of ourselves we're damned, that, that we have nothing in us that can turn our hearts on to God, that's offensive stuff. Um, and so when he, he was a guy who was not, he, he went to Manuka High School and he partied so hard with a bunch of people who have just recently been coming to know the Lord or returning to Christ that have been coming to our church. And he's one of these guys. And he's like in his, his upper 20s. And he's, he's come back to Jesus. And when he, he was realizing that after he'd given his life to Jesus, people are still inviting him to do everything that he used to do just as toxic as it used to be. 
And so he, he knew, knew that he needed to make a proclamation, and he felt almost like he was coming out of the closet online with his Christianity, like, I'm outing myself that I'm now a Christian, and this is going to cause some conversation. He said this, when I experienced the Holy Spirit of God, it impacted and changed my life. It impacted my life in such a way that I just wanted to tell everyone I knew about Jesus. And how I decided to do this was through social media, Facebook. And when I did this, there were some of my friends who accepted my belief and, and love for Christ and even said it was encouraging to see. But then others rejected my belief in Jesus and me. I even got a phone call from a friend saying, what, are you a preacher now? And as he said this, I heard another one of my friends in the background say, I'm deleting you from Facebook. I was discouraged for a moment, but then I realized if these guys really were my friends, they would accept and love me for who I am and what, not for what I believe. Not necessarily that they had to become a Christian, but they would accept me and the fact that I love Jesus. Coming out about my love for Jesus on social media really weeded out many of my so-called friends in my life, but it also at the same time has built a stronger, closer friendships with those friends who did accept me and my love for Jesus, even if they weren't a Christian to begin with. You will be misunderstood. Be misunderstood for the right reasons not because of the way that we communicate truth. Sometimes we communicate truth in such a way that it may be true, but the way that we did it was abrasive or, or it wasn't mirroring what Paul is saying here that our, our, our communication is full of grace and seasoned with salt. As Christians, we oftentimes mess this up, but it's very easy to do it. I'm going to give you an example of how we did this on our staff one time. I sent Pastor Dave a message uh, text about, hey, you know what? I got an email about this. It's uh, taking place about something uh, in the service in July. Can you just fix this up? Can you take care of it? Just take care of it. I, I don't have time for this. And he texted back this. I, what? Okay, now how would you read that when you read that? Always. I always send these requests to you and Carlos to answer. You guys need to answer them or him. Okay, now when I read that, I read it. You know, some, I, asked, I asked Pastor Dave how he, he sent this. He said, I always send these requests to you and Carlos to answer. You guys need to answer them and him. But when I'm reading this in text form, I'm like, I always send these requests to you and Carlos to answer. You guys need to answer them and him. And so I wrote back, okay. And I was like, nah. No, we're not just leaving that. This all caps thing, it's got to stop. So I wrote him back. Does writing in all caps make the point come across more clearly? If so, I'll try that methodology more often. Thanks! <laughs> I think so. Have you ever done this? It certainly doesn't mean that I'm mad. <laughs> it's really hard to discern that. Usually all caps paints volume rather than emphasis. Unfortunately, there isn't italics in texting. To which he wrote, right, no italics. Sorry if I came across gruff. <laughs> I didn't ask him permission to do that um, first service, and uh, so he texted me back, I'm teed off that you, <laughs> that you used my text without permission. So I wrote, I texted him back, um, sorry, in all caps, S-O-R-R-Y. You may be communicating truth, but the reality is, is that if you're someone that is a communicator, if you're a vessel of the gospel as a Christian, the way we communicate, our presentation matters. We have to give it more thought. We can't just shoot from the hip. We can't just put out truth and just uh, think that it doesn't matter how we communicate it. It absolutely does matter how we communicate it, which leads us to the fact that our peacemaking matters. Because as you engage any, time of, any kind of social environment, whether it's face-to-face -face or on, on the internet, 
you're going to have to recognize that as a follower of Jesus, you have an element of peacemaker in you. You, you. you follow the prince of peace. And so when you come into conflict, you handle conflict differently than others. One challenge I want to encourage every Christian, because in, in us there's a, another thing at play, is to not chum. Don't chum. Any fans of Shark Week? Love Shark Week up before Megalodon. That dumb, dumb, fake documentary. But up until that... Shark Week was phenomenal. Just this great, you know, you got these man-eaters in the water, and they're swimming all around, and, and they get great camera angles. Now, you don't get great camera angles on sharks by going, okay, come here, shark, come here, come here, come here, come here. You have to do something. You can draw them. And what a lot of times what they do is they get on the end of their boat, and they start dumping buckets and buckets of fish guts, chum, blood and guts all in the water. And what that does is it draws all the sharks. And all of a sudden, the sharks start feeding on it. And you're just watching. And they get these amazing camera angles of all this stuff. And they're, they're chewing on it. They're even like chewing on each other. And you're like just blown away with the magnitude and the fight and the carnage. It's, it's crazy. It's awesome. Christians do this. Whenever something comes up in, uh, in, in, the news or in some type of cultural thing. As Christians, we feel like, well, I'm a Christian. I have a First Amendment right to say something, so I'm going to. And we just post. And when we post, oftentimes we're posting totally knowing that what we're posting is chum. We're just stirring the pot. Okay? Do you guys know people who stir the pot? You like just posting things? Okay. You, you may be the person that's posting. You may be the person that's the, the, the chummer. I am. Like in conversations with, with clo- people that I'm close with, I know what pushes their buttons. I know if I passive-aggressively just drop this tiny little word that it's going to start this huge conversation, which I'm already ready to debate, which I know I'm going to win. <laughs> it's sick, but I do that. As Christians, when we do this, and when we do this publicly, it's really, it's messed up. I, I, two years ago, we, we did a, a message called Facebooking Like Jesus, which is kind of akin to this. We're, we're focusing on 1 Peter chapter 3 and just the engagement with the world that Peter was calling us towards. And there was, um, there was a recent, uh, uh, President Barack Obama was just being re-sworn in, and um, there was a Christian leader that made a post. And so I, I talked through his post on Twitter and what kind of the firestorm that ensued afterwards. Uh, his post said something like this, praying for our president, who today will place his hand on a Bible he does not believe, to take an oath to a God he likely does not know. Full of grace seasoned with salt. So this is like a post. And obviously you can see 2,762 retweets, 972 favorites to this thing, right? So he drops this, this big church pastor guy. Well, all of a sudden, because Twitter is public, it's social, the world is looking in. Angry Christian activist says to this big church pastor guy, hey, pastor guy, bleep, bleep you for saying that. How dare you pass such an ugly judgment on him? He knows God and prays more than daily, which is followed up by a concerned Twitter guy. Hey, this person, the whole uh, concerned Twitter guy, the whole upset at what big church pastor guy just said thing, I get that, but how does your response make you any better than him? Which is followed up by another concerned Twitter guy. Oh my gosh, are those facts? Which is followed up by the angry guy again. Hey, big church guy, you are the most ugly, harsh, and judgmental excuse for a Christian I know. How dare you judge the sincerity of the president's faith? Which is followed up by a random funny guy. Hey, you should try some dance therapy for that rage, dude. Hate kills, which that is really great advice, by the way, which is followed up by the angry guy. Hey, friends, sorry I lost it earlier. I'm still angry, but I should have controlled my language. Man, that made me mad. I'm about to cuss again. 
which is followed up by a national worship leader. That last tweet by big church guy marks the end of me trying to hang out with him. I've tried, I really have, but dang. Hashtag plank guy, which is followed up by the angry guy striking back. For the record, I meant everything I said. I wish I had tempered a few coarse words, but I meant them all. I'm still angry, actually. We do this. How many of you have been a part of a thread that has gone, let's say more than 10 posts, where you knew that it was chum and it was going back and forth and you jumped in on it? How many? Come on, let's, all right, yeah, me too. How many of you thought, in all honesty, what I'm about to post is gonna be like me dropping the microphone and everyone's gonna say, how could we even debate in this anymore? You have brought the truth before us. How many have thought that? I have. Here's the problem. 15 comments later, the conversation's still going, but now they're more angry. Let us tattoo this upon our hearts and souls. Minds are rarely swayed by the brilliance of our offensive online statements. When we chum as Christians, we will do two things. We are going to get a bunch of people liking us and our comments that already agreed. And we're going to get a bunch of other people who are even further away from us because of the fact that they totally disagree. But the thing that's even sicker is that we make the initial chum, and then we step back and watch as people tackle each other all the way down. I mean, it'd be bad enough if we were doing that in, in a living room. That's actually been kind of entertaining when, when you're with friends. But when a world is watching in on it, all of a sudden we're representing, again, with this global platform. This is not a private communication when we do that, we're actually allowing the, the world to look in and say, this is the believer. This is the carrier of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, full of grace, seasoned with salt, truth and grace fused together. When things come up in the news, we need to recognize that we need to be slow to speak. When things come up on our mind, we need to be slow to post. Um, and not be the Christian that's just posting, shooting from the hip. Um, the president of Desiring God, John Piper's organization, recently had a really good blog about how to respond to the whole Bruce Jenner transition. I mean, that's like all over the news. People are talking about it everywhere. And of course, Christians are going to jump into the fray and start having posts on it. And I, I really appreciated what, what John had to say when he said this. He said, regarding Jenner's transition, it probably means being slow to speak especially on social media. Why, pause real quick, why? Because you don't have in social media the ability to sit face to face and be able to qualify what you're saying or help someone have a deeper understanding. And a lot of times people will read what you write in a short bit of truth or whatever and walk away with a whole bunch of assumptions you may not have been making or a whole lot of motive that they projected upon you. And if you do speak something truthful, seek to be an unusually respectful, gracious voice. Jenner is not likely to read your remarks, but maybe someone you know is who's guarding a tender, shameful, secret will. Speak as you would to a friend. You know, Paul says that when we're talking about the most important thing on the planet, the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done in our life, that when we're speaking about that, we should speak with gentleness and respect. I would say anything that falls as a lower priority than, than eternal salvation would probably be just as much gentleness and respect. Let us be the type of people who, who don't shy away from truth. No way. 
But when we engage a world that's listening, we do so the way Paul did. Paul comes into the, the, uh, that, that section at Mars Hill with that council, and he doesn't come first and foremost by saying, you know what I need to communicate to you guys? You guys are all so messed up and far from God, you're going to hell. And I'm just telling you that right now because I've walked around this entire place and I've seen all the idolatry. Do you guys realize how stupid this is? How stupid you are for this? How, how moronic do you have to be to believe in a statue that your brother carved? For real. He doesn't say that. He enters in in an amazing, recognizing the platform that he's been given at Mars Hill, at the Arapagus, and he comes in there and says, he starts off dip- diplomatically. He compliments them. He says, you know what? There's not a single person who could walk around this city and walk away with any other reality than you guys are the most religious people on the planet. Now, we already know from that, that passage that Paul was torn up by the idolatry. It, it did gross him out. When he's communicating, however, to the public, he says, he starts diplomatically, and then he transitions. He says, you know what? You've got all of these statues to known God, but then the, I came across this statue to the unknown God, and I'm here to tell you who that is. And then he starts to quote to them pagan lyrics that a good Jew probably shouldn't know, but Paul knew because he loved these people, and he wanted them to know about Jesus. So he uses their own poetry, their own lyrics to make a bridge between them and the Heavenly Father in their, their psyche and their understanding. Like, you know what? This, this poem about Zeus... You know, the person who really fulfilled that, who really did that, was, was the Heavenly Father. And he gets into the point of being able to communicate about Jesus. It, it's, but he, he has to start, stop short of that. But the amazing reality is how he came into that scene was radically different than the way that we oftentimes do because we think we have truth on our side. We think it doesn't matter how we communicate it. And that, biblically, doesn't seem to stand up. No matter how people misinterpret you, we need to realize that what Paul said in Romans 12 is accurate. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You can't control people's convictions. You can't control people's interpretations. But you can control how much work you do to be as clear as you can be, as grace-filled as you can be, and seasoned with salt as you can be. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Peter um, accentuates this in chapter 3 as well of, of his letter. Finally, all of you be like-minded to be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing because to this you were called so that you may be inherit a blessing. A friend uh, in our small group, um, a couple years back, we had a post um, about Rylan. Rylan had a dream, and in the dream he talked to Jesus, and it was just a super cool situation where he, where he was he was reflecting on this dream that he had about Jesus. And so we videotaped him, you know, talking about it. And we showed it at the service. And someone in our small group reposted it on their Facebook. So now he has brought this into the platform of his whole, all of his friends. I don't know, maybe 500 people get a chance to see this. That's pretty cool. And one of his friends who, who adamantly does not believe in God just started to tear it apart and tear my son apart. Um, to which makes me as a parent want to tear him apart. I was so proud, though, of this small group guy because this guy um, posted this and this guy starts to, on the, the, the feed, on the, on, the, on the public wall right there, just start to take this whole thing apart, take Christianity apart. To which the guy in our small group said, hey, you know what? He basically invited him into a private conversation about it. Said, you know what? You have some strong opinions about this. Let's talk about this offline. And that, that didn't change the guy's mind. The guy still is far from God. But it was, it was so, I was so proud of him for doing what would not have been 
intuitive for me to do, which was to handle it with grace. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. So if you're a follower of Jesus, your peacemaking online matters. Don't chum and also extinguish online fires. If you sense that there's something that's taking place online and it's just going, like you've written a post and all of a sudden it started getting, it's getting thick and people are getting ugly at each other. Don't, Don't do the shark week thing of just standing on the outside and just watching or even like throwing in. Instead, if you're seeing people starting to attack each other, and this is not something that you want to be reflective of the gospel work in us, then what you do is you, 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 what I would encourage you to do is you delete your, your post. Delete your post and then make another post that says something like this. Clearly, there's a lot of people who are really interested in this subject matter. I want to invite all you guys to Starbucks at 2 p.m. on Saturday. I'd like to talk about it face-to-face. Use social media to draw people into conversation. That's what the 95 Theses were. It wasn't like, hey, here's like the definitive statement to the church. Boom, walk away. It was an invitation into a further discussion. Invite people into further discussion. And so I encourage you to do that. If you're someone that's just coming across someone else's threads where they're just like going to town, these are believers. I would encourage you to private message. Don't call someone out online. Private message that person and encourage them to take it offline. Encourage them to do the same thing. Say, hey, this is clearly something people want to talk about. Encourage them to do it either by private messaging one another, you or someone else, or to meet face-to-face even better. Don't chum. Extinguish online fires because, again, we are to seek peace. And thirdly, apologize. Use social media or recognize that if you're going to engage socially, in any type of venue, you're going to hurt people. It happens. I've had to apologize so many times for how strongly I've come across, usually in private messages, usually not on a, on a public wall, but it, where I've had to go and, and approach someone who I was leaning in too heavy-handed with. There was one person I wrote um, that goes to this church, and she had posted something that was, was just kind of messed up. And I, didn't, I wasn't going to call her out on, on her thread, but I, I private messaged her and I said, listen, you know, you really should I don't think you should, that's not reflective of who you are. And she disagreed. And so I wrote back. She still disagreed. And so then I brought out the big guns. <laughs> and I sent her a good couple of paragraphs. And then she agreed. She took it down, and I felt like a jerk. Because the way that I communicated was not full of grace, it was not seasoned with salt. It may have been truthful, but it was a, it was a wrecking ball. It was not like something that was, was actually helpful. It may, have, it may have had the, the net result of her taking that down, but, it, but the sidestep of it was that, that I damaged her. And that's never right. And so I'll never forget, I walked, it was over at the Library Cafe, she was getting coffee, and I walked up to her and I just said, I just need to apologize to you. Because the way that I said what I said was wrong. And it didn't represent Jesus. And I apologize for, for how I said what I said. And I, I'm, I'm working on that. And I've had to do that multiple times because I get heated sometimes. When I'm, do you do that? I get heated sometimes, and I just like, when I'm writing, all of a sudden my fingers are moving far faster than my brain is, is filtering. And sometimes I just do far more damage than I need to. When that happens, I need to apologize. Another thing on this, as far as being peacemaking, we need to recognize that, that, that social media, I would say specifically Facebook, is an amazing ability for you to make things right. Um, I've told you this before, but 
when Facebook, when I first got into Facebook, all of a sudden I realized that I could, I could meet people that I haven't seen since I was in fourth grade. When I was in, uh, up to fourth grade, my family lived in La Crescenta in the foothills of California, and then we moved to Torrance. And when I was in, in La Crescenta, in, specifically in third and fourth grade, I was rebelling against, I mean, honestly, like the, the worst things that I've ever said to people, like profanity-wise, took place in fourth grade. That was like the Grand Prix of Errol's profanity years. And it was, it was ugly, but it was, I was also ugly to people. The way I, what I said, I, I, the way I, I gossiped, the way I talked about people behind their back, I ruined people, two people specifically. And then my family moved. I never had a chance to, to interact with them ever again after that. There was no reconciliation, and that just lingered. There's no way to find this person. I couldn't find them in the phone book or anything. And then Facebook came out, or I got onto Facebook. And then I found them. And I'll never forget the difficulty of writing a Facebook direct message to this person, private message, saying, that thing that took place in fourth grade, I have carried that with me ever since as shame. And I know how that harmed you. I'm a follower of Jesus. I was a Christian then, but it was not showing. And I want to apologize to you. And I'm asking your forgiveness. I can't tell you how amazing it was to receive back the message, I forgive you. That did hurt me. I have walked with that. It, it feels so good to hear you say that you're sorry. Make the most of every opportunity that God's given you, that he's put before you. Don't chum, extinguish online fires, apologize, and finally, recognize that your presence matters. Your presence matters. Because if this is something that you have the opportunity to with a global platform, the words that you say, the things that you post on a global scale, that's incredibly important. We need to make the most out of the, that opportunity. However, I would encourage you to realize that most of the life impact is not going to happen through the posts that you post, the blogs you write, or the tweets that you tweet. Long after everyone has forgotten how cool the vacation was that you posted all the pictures from, Long after everyone has totally forgotten that one post that you wrote that seemed to get so much attention, it'll be the words that you speak into people face to face that they're going to remember. The cup of coffee that you had with them when they were going through their divorce. That encouragement that you gave them when, when they were going through the lowest point in their life. That truth that you shared with them that they weren't ready to accept but they needed to hear face to face. These are going to be the relationships that you have. And I would say, as parents, you need to, we need to do a better job of getting our face out of our device and start having face-to-face -face time with our kids. It is so addictive to have this in your face nonstop, checking up, reading up on everyone else's life while life is happening right in our living room and we're oblivious to it. John Acuff, a Christian writer, said, I don't want my child's lasting memory of me to be a square, illuminated section of my face that they see from a distance. Let us be the type of people who realize that our presence matters. Let what takes place online in social media springboard into deeper connectivity and deeper presence with those around us. I think Billy Graham is right. We are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. May we be the type of followers of Jesus that exhibit that reality. Amen?
Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, um, as people, we speak often and write often without thinking. We know that's very human, but we know that, that you've crafted in us um, the ability to listen to and follow the lead of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that, that you help us uh, constantly be reminded of who we are in you before responding to, connecting with, or communicating with those, Lord, out online. Help us understand the platform you've given us and be good stewards of that. And as we see impact happen, even through messages and private messages and posts, God, even, even if that seems small in comparison to the face-to-face impact, Lord, we will give you thanks and glory for that at least, that a watching world gets a chance to see you at work in our life. And we'll give you thanks and glory for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.